Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Reverend Dr. Michael Evans. Dr. Evans was elected mayor of the city of Mansfield, Texas in December 2020. He is the pastor of the Bethlehem Baptist Church in Mansfield, where he has served for more than 30 years. Dr. Evans received his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from the University of Texas at Arlington. He received his Master of Divinity degree from Texas Christian University's Bright Divinity School. He received his Doctor of Ministry degree from Baylor University, where he has also served as a member of the Board of Regents for the university. Without further ado, Dr. Michael Evans. It is always a blessing and a privilege uh, to uh, serve the people of God and to be in front of you on today, a nice rainy day. And I say nice rainy because we've needed the rain, so happy day. So it's good to be here. So thank, thank God for this opportunity. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power that is in your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the students who are here today. We thank you, Lord, for Brother Juarez, Brother Abe, and Lord, all that they continue to do in serving. And Father, I ask even now that you will just uh, speak to and through your servant. And Lord, there's a word for somebody. Master, please deliver it. And God, sit the man down and you stand up. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at the first verse, the word of God says that I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Convince, King James says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your, your ministry. Uh, that, is, that is a subject that I would pray that you would allow to be centered in your hearts and in your minds. And that is doing the work of an evangelist. Uh, You think about it, uh, the times in which we're living in now, and I would argue today that if there was ever a time when God needed a witness, 
I believe that that time is now. When you think about the state of our, of our world, uh, we need the Lord. The world needs God. And, and, and I, I also borrow and adapt the sentiments of the Apostle Paul when he says in Romans 10 that my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. To every person in the room, God has called each and every one of us to a great work. We have a divine mandate, every one of us, those who have been, as I would like to say, blood-bought and scripture-taught, we have a divine mandate. God has placed it in our spirit, that, that unction, that passion that you have or that we should have, it comes to us because God gave it to us. And you cannot yet figure out what in the world he wants you to do with it. It's kind of all balled up. It, it's, it's like lightning in a bottle. But he wants every one of us to serve. So I came today just to encourage you. And I know that you get that in your classes here at Chriswell. And I appreciate the invitation. And, and, and they want to reiterate. They want to impress in your spirit that you have the mandate to tell the story of salvation. And when you tell that story, you tell it with courage. Not only tell the story, but to live the story. With courage, live it with confidence. Teach the story with great conviction. This may sound a little old-fashioned, but it's all right to share the Roman road. It is all right to give to those who are listening and need to hear from God through you. They need to hear about the ABCs of our evangelistic effort. They need to know that they must admit that they are a sinner just like I did. We must believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior like I did. And we must confess Jesus as Lord of our lives just like I did. We are the ones, we are the ones that God has placed in this 21st century to carry the baton forward in whatever walk of life he appoints us to. We are, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are. We are called by God to make that appeal to humanity, and God is to speak to and through us and get that word out. And let me help you to understand something. It makes no difference whether you are Mayor Evans, you are still an evangelist. If I am that guy sweeping the streets, as a pastor, we, we are in Mansfield. We were on the rural side, and the horses would, guys on their horses, they would ride down the sidewalk, and the horse would leave a little something behind for us on the sidewalk and would make me nuts. So I'd go out and I'd sweep it up. And a guy passed by once, and when I got to the school board meeting, he said, now, you know what, that, I call that a pastor. I said, what are you talking about? A guy sweeping up poop in a tie. I said, brother, it's just like that. That's life. Even in that, <laughs> people are reading you. They will definitely read you, ladies and gentlemen, before, before they read the Bible. They're going to read you because you are the ones who are saying that you've been born again. You know, 
it's all right. I know times in which we're living in. I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy now. Got grandchild and all of that stuff. But, but you know, I, I learned something that it's not the size of the Bible that you have. It's not the placement of the tattoo, that cross that you have tattooed on you somewhere. But it has everything to do with what's in your heart, what's in your spirit. People will read. They will pick that up. For you see, Paul, as he writes this letter, he's attempting to give that final charge to Timothy, his son in the ministry. Paul writes, we believe, from a Roman jail. He got off the first time, but not this time. It does not look like Paul will be acquitted. It doesn't look like he will be set free this time. Paul has it in his spirit. He believes that now is the time that he is going to give his life for Christ. For you see, he finds himself now in the eyesight, on the radar of emperor, crazy emperor, burned the city of Rome, blamed the Christians and the Jews. And now for political favor, it just looked good to persecute a Christian. And Paul knows that he is going to be that guy. But you know, God sure has a way of letting you know what your end just might look like. So Paul says in verses 6 through 8, he said, don't worry about it. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. See, he was ready, but he knew that he had someone coming up behind him. My honor of standing before you today is just that. I'm in my mid-50s. I know I do believe in my spirit that I've got more days behind me than in front of me, but I get to look at you, and I get to look into your eyes, and I get to say to you, oh, yeah, my time may be waning, but it's your time now. You are on the stage of life. The people are gazing at you. What are you going to do, and how are you going to do it? Paul, see, says to this young man that I've got a charge. I, I, I have something that I need to share with you that was given to me. I'm, I've got a charge, and you have a charge to keep in your calling. See, Paul based his charge on his apostolic authority. Paul says, I've been through some things. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Born of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. A reformed persecutor of the church. Supervised the stoning of Stephen. Paul says, listen to me because I've been through some things. Uh, arrested by Christ on the road to Damascus. But you know, let me tell you what it got me. Five times given 39 lashes by my own people, three times beaten with rods, stoned in Lystra, shipwrecked three times. Paul said, I've been through some things. And since I have, he says, I, I believe, Timothy, that you ought to listen to me. I've been there, done that. I got the T-shirt. That's what he told him. So you ought to listen to me. You know, you're blessed now. Uh, as students here at Criswell, you, you're blessed. You have, you have instructors who stand before you, and they have been through some things. I know it may seem as if they have not, but oh, they have. They may bear those scars, some that you can see, some that you can feel, some that may come out every now and then. And I say to you, please use your time here at this college wisely, because you now have a charge to keep. 
What is that charge? Preach the word, he says. Preach the word. Find your own voice, but preach the word. Don't mimic someone maybe on television or radio, but no, your voice. Because your audiences will be different audiences. Preach it. Preach it with conviction. Transmit the message of salvation. Preach the word. Pass on the interpretation of the gospel through the filters that God has blessed you with. See, understand that because we all come from different walks of life, what that means is, is that you're going to tell the story maybe a little bit different, but the fundamentals don't change. Your audiences will be different, but the fundamentals won't change. Speak with conviction and clarity when you preach. Preach an uncompromising gospel. Why? In order to prevent the decay of truth. It's on you now. When you're preaching with courage, please understand what courage is. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you're cutting. It doesn't mean that you're nasty. It doesn't mean that you're argumentative or mean-spirited. But it does mean that when you stand, that you're preaching with a, an air of mental and moral fortitude, speaking truth to power in context with context and not running from the meaning of the word. Yeah, when you preach an uncompromising gospel, Culture around you may change, but the Word of God will stay the same. Don't let anybody compromise it because he says you've got to be ready to preach it in season and out of season. I wonder how many of you really know the season that we're in today. I would argue that we're in a season of amorality, where social norms seems to be okay. A season where immorality is being winked at. Alternative lifestyles are being affirmed. That's where you are today. He's saying when you preach the word, preach it with confidence. King James would say reprove, which means to prove again what's right. Prove again the authority of Scripture. Prove again that you believe in the one true and living God. Prove again. Prove again that you believe that God has placed it in every one of us, our soul, to where we know the difference between right and wrong. The morality is real. And that right will always be right. You are being called to prove it again and again and again. It's old, but it's new all at the same time. And that is your calling. Not only that, but you'll find yourselves having to reprimand every now and then, to rebuke every now and then, to call into account every now and then. Let me help you understand something. People oftentimes say they try to... They, 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 they try to run from their responsibility when they say, well, I don't want to judge anybody. Well, when it's happening in your face, you're not a judge. You're an eyewitness. When sin is doing what sin does, when people you love, friends, neighbors, in your face, God has allowed you to see it. You're being challenged to confront it. You're not a judge. Judge gets second and third hand information, but it's in your face. He's calling you to rebuke that. How? In the spirit of gentleness. It's amazing when we're on fire, we burn up everything around us. But when you learn how to do it in a spirit of gentleness, you're going to be challenged to be people of integrity. You're going to have to live your life under the big lights every now and then.
Your personal integrity does count. Take it from a mayor. When you sit up there and you're serving 77,000 people, 50,000 of them voted for you, 40,000 of them didn't. Some believe exactly what you believe, others don't believe anything that you believe. But you have to allow the light of Christ to shine in you. Oh God, I do not walk on water. I do not have wings underneath this jacket. But you have to learn to live and to lean on our Christ. And then with all of that, you exhort. You encourage. You say to people, no matter what, it'll be all right. You help them to know that storms will come, but then you can endure the storms of life. That all of those storms, they do pass. I'm originally from Houston. I am familiar with storms, but they're in the books now. May have been affected by them. My trajectory of life may have been changed by them, but they're in the books now. Whether the storm's name was Danny, Katrina, they're in the books now. You will endure storms, ladies and gentlemen, but one day they'll be in the books. And the question is going to be, how are you going to, how are you going to live, how are you going to act, how are you going to, how are you, how are you going to comport yourself after the storm? He says you've got work that you have to do. He says, I want you, Timothy, to be able to endure suffering. What does that endurance look like? Well, monitor your character and your conduct because I'll know who you really are when you're in it. When he says endure, when he talks about being watchful, he's also saying that we must be free of intoxicants. The things that intoxicate us. Maybe it's being drunk on yourself. Maybe he wants you to be level-headed. He wants you to be well-balanced. God wants you to be stable. God wants you to be steadfast. And even when you may not know exactly what God wants you to do, he says in Philippians 2 and 13, and he's right, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I say to you, endure it. Endure hardships, endure the evil. You can handle it. Be willing to lose friends and fellowships because you're gonna stand for right. Family members may avoid you because you're gonna stand for right. Church members and churches just might even fire you, but you'll be standing for right. Do the work of an evangelist. Be that person that says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do that, do that work. Do that work. That means it is work. That means you will get your hands dirty. That means that you will have assignments that you may not necessarily want. But if you're a servant of the Most High God, you won't get to pick it. It's going to pick you. You will hear God inviting you to places that you would not have ever thought you would go. Do the work when you get there. Exert energy and strength and give all that you have. See, our calling, our assignment, our appointment, it is labor intensive. 
It's amazing. You read all of that stuff. He did this, he did that. Now, by the grace of God. Most of it I stumbled into. He called me to do it. I believe that he called me to do it. And we made the step and we did it. So many opportunities, so many times I knew I was unqualified, but if I just got there, I just believed that God would meet me there. And even when I didn't know all of Robert's rules of order, as a matter of fact, I was in a deacon's meeting one time, and a guy says, who's Robert anyway? I said, heck, I don't know. I can't tell you. But you're going to have to stand in even when you don't think you're the one. Because if you're there, he puts you there. And God can handle you going with fear and trembling. The sin will be apathy. The sin is not moving. The sin is freezing in place. The beck and the call says go anyway. That's obedience. Yea, though you walk through the valley, the shadow of death, don't worry. I'll be there. I rod my staff. I'll be there. They'll comfort. They'll keep you. Grace and mercy will be there. I'll be there. Do the work. Do what he's called you. I'll be there. Fulfill your ministry. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Give sight to the spiritually blind. Just fulfill your ministry. Fill it up with all that you have. And while you're working, I'll be working on you. And while you're walking, I'll be walking with you. And while you're thinking, I will rewire your brain and I will make sure that you have everything that you need at the time that you need it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just came to you today just to say to you crying from outside as a local pastor saying that we need you in ministry. We need you to hurry up. We need you now. Time is of the essence. It's like the house is burning down and we need you. We need you. I beg you in the name of Jesus, please do not trivialize your time. We need you. And when you get out there, do the work of an evangelist. May God bless you. May God keep you. Let us pray together. Gracious God, our Father, you know us. You called us. Some are here because of the calling. Some are here because they're hiding. But you called us. And Lord, we know just to be near, just to be close to you is where we need to be. Father in heaven, we pray that we will hear the Apostle Paul and that calling that he, and that charge that he gave to Timothy, we pray that we hear it in our spirit today. And that we are willing to do this work. Guide our thoughts control our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this prayer. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.